0: We've been talking about life hacks. How many of you are familiar with the term life hacks? You know that term? Yeah? We talked about it last week. You know, I had never heard it. I learned something new. Even at my advanced age, I can still learn. Aren't you impressed? I learned something new. It's like taking a shortcut. So that's a good thing. And James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. That's the, from the book of James is what he's saying. And he knew that someday we would have a community of believers and that community of believers would be people who would gather and they would listen. But he said, we have to apply what we learn. And he says, don't deceive yourself into thinking, well, I went to church and God says that I'm gonna bless you because I'm a church person, right? That's what you're supposed to see happen. And he says, no, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And then he said, do what it says. So we talked last week about that. We talked about application. It's not enough to just hear it and learn it, but then we have to apply it to our lives as well. And you say, well, wait a minute. If I have to apply it, that's just going to wreck my life you don't really expect me to do the stuff I read in here, do you? I mean, I have to change a lot of things. Isn't it enough that I just come and listen and and that I'm in the building and I've got my family here? Don't I get credit for that? And James says, no, you're deceiving yourselves. Now, uh, you know, when I was in the hospital a year ago and I had surgery, I got out and I had to have home health care, because I'd lost a lot of weight and I didn't have any strength and they had to come to my house and they had to help me exercise and gain my strength back. And then I went to outpatient health care and it was a little more advanced and people could watch me there and and enjoy my suffering, the people that were working me out there were other people who could watch as well you know and so we were all in the same boat there working out together and so uh i did that and then laura and i joined sequence just in time for covid yeah paid a whole year never even went never could go because we're quote at risk any of you at risk yeah we are and so we we said well i guess we better walk in the neighborhood so that's what we did and and we continued to try to exercise there That way, I mean, that's just one way to do it. Now, you can buy a treadmill, but if you don't use it, it won't do you any good, will it? And if you have those treadmills in your house that you you bought and you had great intentions and they're just gathering cobwebs now, anybody does it? And then maybe you've joined a gym, but you have to go to the gym, right? And work out yeah I heard some groaning there no don't make me do that that's too difficult right and so application makes the difference and so when people who don't go to church look at us sometimes they say well what difference does it make if I go to church or not those people are not any different from me they're probably the same kind of people that I am and there's no difference in the way we live our lives and James says listening is nothing doing is everything so you have to do something now we're talking about five specific life hacks okay shortcuts that we can take that make all the difference now how many of you remember what we talked about last week the first life hack does anybody remember what it was okay it was on forgiveness do you remember that now anybody anyone will you receive the benediction okay so it's on forgiveness, right? And we said forgiven people forgive. That's right. Some of you, it's coming back to you now. I can tell. And so today our word is to confess. It's confession, right? So here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to look at the person next to you and, forgi- and confess that you forgot that it was to forgive. Go ahead and tell them that right now. <laughs> and now... And now that you've confessed, I'm going to forgive you. See how it comes full circle? That's just the way it works, okay? And so I want you to make the act of confessing something that is real. Now, here's the deal. When we confess, we need to confess everything. We don't just need to confess a partial confession. Uh, th- that's the message. In fact, there's a study that's been done about this. And you could say, I, only, I cheated, but only a little bit. Well, no, you need to confess everything. Based on studies, they used over 4,000 people. And here's what they found out. The researchers found out that when you partially confess, that you feel worse than you would if you didn't confess at all. Now that's a waste of time and energy. So it says you have to confess the whole truth, okay? Nothing but the truth. I've heard that somewhere before, right? Okay, so so you have to share that. Now, there's a guy named Isle Pierre, and he he was the author of this study, and he had a biblical angle to it. And here's what he said. Confessing to only part of the guilt of one's transgression is attractive to a lot of people because they expect the confession to be more believable and guilt-relieving than not confessing. But he says it's just the opposite. People seeking redemption by partially admitting their big lies feel guiltier because they don't take complete responsibility for their behavior. And here's the thing. Here's what we think. We think if I go to God and I tell him everything I did, he's really going to think poorly of me. So I'm going to sugarcoat this a little bit. I'm going to make it a little bit easier for him to swallow. And I'm going (laughs) to... you're laughing but you do this and, and and then I'm going to tell him what I think he wants to hear and not what I really really happened and he already knows he already knows so we're wasting our time trying to do that and so the harvard business school review summed it up this way confession is a powerful way to relieve guilt but it works only if you tell the whole truth now in the wake of numerous people and public confessions by fallen politicians and sports figures and business executives, in her book, The Public Grovel, Susan Wise Bear offers a helpful distinction. Here's what she says. Apology is an expression of regret. I am sorry. Confession is an admission Of fault. I am sorry because I did wrong. I sinned. Apology addresses an audience. Confession implies inner change that will be manifested in outward action. Somewhere along the way, you and I began to believe that the reason we confess is to get that off of our conscience. So over time, confession becomes all about me. I don't feel good about me. I don't like something between God and me. There's something there. I feel like things need to change. So what do I do? I confess my guilt. God, I confess my sins. Now I feel better. And for some reason, we think it's all about confession relief. But if you open the scripture, that's not what you find. It's never a passage in the Old or the New Testaments that combine confession and conscience together. But here's what you will find in scripture. Genuine confession is the first step toward repentance. In other words, I have to do something about it. Not only do I have to talk to God about it, but I have to talk to the person that I've sinned against about it as well. I've got to make it right. I've got to make restitution. I've got to change. Genuine confession leads to genuine change. Now, there were four preachers who got together, and they were talking one day. Did y'all know preachers get together? Did you know that? And let me tell you, when you're with a group of preachers, it's ugly. It's like herding cats, because they've all got opinions. They're really difficult to deal with. So these preachers get together, and they say, you know what? Our people come to us in our churches, and they confess to us all the time, and they pour their heart out, but who are we going to confess to? We need to confess to somebody. Why don't we make a pact? We'll confess to each other. And so it takes some negotiation, but finally they agree to do that. The first guy says, I'll go first. I'm gonna confess that every now and then, I like to take a drink. I do, I like to take a drink. And and so the second one said, well, since you've jumped out there and spilled your guts, I'm gonna say that I like to smoke a cigar. Every now and then, I like to smoke a cigar. And the third one said, well, okay, it's my turn. I'll tell you, I like to play cards. And I play cards every now and then. And so they turn to the fourth guy and they say, okay, what's your sin? He says, no, I'm not telling. They said, well, we told ours. Why aren't you going to tell yours? He said, I I just don't feel comfortable doing it. And they said, no, no, no. That's not the way this works. We told what we did. Now you've got to tell what you do. And he said, well, you know, my real sin is I really enjoy gossiping. (laughs) And I can't wait to get out of here and tell everybody what you just said. Now, confession is good for the soul, but it's got to have a change attached to it. And so that's what we're calling each other to do. Without any change or intent to change is not what we're talking about. And when the reference in scripture of confessing sins to God, it's always attached not only to God, but it's attached to another person. In the Old Testament, God delivered the nation of Israel out of Egypt and they were a slave state and they were used to being slaves. And so that's what they knew. But he gave them a social order in the Old Testament and in Numbers it says this, the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, any man or woman who wrongs another in any way and so is unfaithful to the Lord is guilty and must confess the sin they have committed. And so that's what he calls upon us to do. And so you can't go to God and say, okay, God, you and I are tight, right? Everything's cool. Now, I hate her, but you and I are great together, okay? And yet that's sometimes, we we don't want to admit it, but sometimes that's the way it is. You know, we haven't made uh, things right with somebody else. And we just want to try to keep things good with God. But he says, no, that's not going to work. You can't love me and hate your neighbor. He says, you've got to love me and your neighbor. You've got to work things out then. And so they must take full restitution for the things that they've done wrong, it says in Numbers. God says, we're going to keep relationship with other people on the earth, and then we must make restitution when we've been wrong. And then it says this in the book of Numbers, add a fifth of the value to it and give it all to the person that you have wronged. In other words, if you've cheated somebody, if you've taken something from somebody, then give back to them. You know, Make it right. Settle it with them. Confession is me coming to you saying, I've stolen. I wasn't fair. I cheated. And God says, I'm glad that you're sorry. Now go make it right with the other person and confess to them. But when I confess to them, I have to make restitution of it. I have to do something about it 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 involves repentance there has to be a change that takes place and so then i'm right with god i'm right with others now have y'all ever heard of the guy named bill bright bill bright is a minister and a real influential guy that over the years has been a real witness to people and been a blessing and so he's really been a person who focused on winning people to christ and he would organize other folks and other ministers and try to help them do that very thing and one day he was talking to a businessman and this guy had a lot of influence and he was a Christian and he said to him "Um, I'd like for you to to reach out and share your faith with other people and the man turned him down and he said well I don't wear my religion on my sleeve my religion is personal and I don't like to talk about it it's private and so Bill Bright was shocked that this guy had this attitude. And he said, well, you are a Christian, aren't you? And he said, yeah. And, th- and then he said, but I'm not a religious fanatic, right? And so Bryant paused for a moment and then he asked this question. Did it ever occur to you that it cost Jesus Christ his life so that he, so that you could call yourself a Christian? And it cost the disciples their lives too. And millions of Christians throughout history have suffered and died as martyrs so that the message of God's love and forgiveness could be offered to you. Now, do you really believe that your faith in Christ is personal and private and that you shouldn't talk about it? The man thought about it for a minute and he said, you're right, how can I help? Because it's not just about us and our faith, but it's about us sharing our faith with other people. Billy Graham said it this way. He said, there is something about making a public confession that seals it in your heart. It confirms it to your friends and it makes it much easier to live your life in what you've openly proclaimed. In other words, you've got accountability now. If you've got something good that's happened to you, you're gonna share it with other people, right? When you get good news, you don't keep it to yourself, do you? Sandy Willard knocked on my office door this morning and he said, look out there in the parking lot. You see anything new? I said, what, what is it? He said, I got a new truck. There it is, right there, right? And I'm happy for him. Let's all just be happy with Sandy there. He got a new truck. Because, you know, every 20 years or so, you need to get a new truck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and he had the record. I mean, he'd had that truck since right after the earth cooled. And it was time to buy a new truck, right? There was dirt, and then his truck came along, and now he's got a new one. Now in the New Testament, Zacchaeus was a tax collector and everybody hated tax collectors because they cheated people, right? And when Zacchaeus had finished listening to Jesus teach and he had spent time with him, he responded. Here's what he says in Luke 19. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. You see, that's, that's definitely restitution. That's a change of heart. That's different, isn't it, than just saying, I'm sorry. Okay, get over it. Live with it. I've cheated you, you know, tough. But that's not what he's saying. What happened was Zacchaeus had been in the presence of Jesus and he had changed. And then he said, I'll pay back four times the amount. In other words, I'm going to confess and I'm going to make restitution. And then Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to your house because this man too is a son of Abraham in other words it, it changed everything for Zacchaeus as well genuine confession leads to genuine life change that's right genuine confession leads to genuine life change there's one more passage I want to share before we go and that's James the fifth chapter And it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So in other words, when we get together, we need to open up and we need to share our hearts with other people. Now, we talk all the time about getting in a life group, getting in a small group, getting in a growth group, getting in a class, doing life with other people. And some folks have done that. Did you know, did you know that right here at Woodlawn, that we have a lot of folks who do that online. I know you're shocked, but it's true, they do. Because of COVID, they're not able to gather. And so what they do is they do their life group or their small group or whatever you wanna call it online. And you know, you could do that too. Yes, if you act now, you could do that too. We talk about it all the time, why? Because you need that. We all need that so that we can grow. My wife has gotten it on her heart to start a group, and she's going to do it with some folks that she knows. And what she's going to do is she's going to do it online. And there's about eight different states of people that are going to be involved in this thing. God just put it on her heart, and she's going to do this Lenten study. And then in the fall, she's going to do a different study. And so, you know, you can do it. You say, well, I don't know how to do that. We will help you. If you don't know, we will can teach you how to do that. You can change. Did you look at the person next to you and say, you can change. Go ahead and tell them that right now. Now, do you really believe what you just told them? <laughs> because they can. And do they believe it as well? Because you see, here's the deal. We've got to open up because if we keep things to ourselves, it's just going to hurt us. Secrets are like splinters. They fester. They fester. If you've got secret sin, you've got to get it out. It's unhealthy for you. You have to handle it so there's change. Because genuine confession leads to genuine... Okay, there was a few more of you that got it that time. There are habits and addictions and sin patterns that you cannot break by just telling God alone. You've got to tell another person. You've got to be in relationship so that you let it out and move forward. Now I wanna share this in closing. I wanna share this story, true story about a woman named Auburn Sandstrom, Auburn Sandstrom. Here's what she says in her own words. I was curled up in a fetal position on a filthy carpet in a cluttered apartment. I was in with horrible withdrawals from drug addiction. I had this little piece of paper that was dilapidated because I kept opening it and folding it back together. It was something that my mother had given me, and it had a phone number on it. I was in a state of terror. My husband was out trying to find more drugs for us, but right behind me, sleeping in the bedroom, was my precious little baby boy. And I was not going to win the Mother of the Year award. At the age of 29, I was failing in a lot of areas. So I decided to get clean, and I decided to get rid of this habit so that I wouldn't lose the most precious thing to me, that little baby boy. I was desperate at that moment. I wanted to use the number, something my mother had given me when she said, this is a Christian counselor. Maybe sometime you could call this person. It was two o'clock in the morning when I punched in the numbers and I heard a man say, hello. And I said, "Um, I got this number from my mom and." do you think maybe you could talk to me? And he said, yes, of course. i would be glad to. What's going on? And I told him that I was scared and that my marriage was really in bad shape. And before long, I was really coming clean about my drug addiction and the problems that I was facing. And the man just sat there and listened. And he had such kindness and gentleness. And he said, tell me more. And when I talked about things, he said, that must hurt. And he stayed with me the whole night, just being there until the sun rose. And by that time, I began to feel calm again, and the raw panic had passed, and I was feeling okay again. I was very grateful to him, so I said, I really appreciate you and all you've done for me tonight. How long have you been a Christian counselor? And there was a long pause, and he said, Auburn, please don't hang up. I'm afraid to tell you this, and he paused again, but he said, You actually called the wrong number. I'm not a therapist, but I really enjoyed talking to you. I didn't hang up on him. I never got his name. I never spoke to him again, but the next day, I could feel the sun shining. I discovered that there was a completely random love in the universe that it could be unconditional and that some of it was for me. And also it became possible for me to become a teetotaling single parent, to raise up that precious little boy, to become a magnificent young scholar and athlete who graduated from Princeton in 2013 with honors. In the deepest, blackest night of despair, if you can get one little pinhole of light the grace rushes in through it genuine confession leads to genuine change and we need a flesh and blood person to share it with so confess look at the person next to you and say confess okay don't tell them right now tell them later after church okay That's what Christians are supposed to do, not just privately to God, but to one another because genuine confession leads to genuine change. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much that you love us, that you provide a way for us to be forgiven, that you allow us to confess, that you take away the sin in our lives when we're open and honest and real with you. And Lord, you gave us each other so that we might grow together as a community of believers, so that we might share our love for you with one another, so that we might hold one another accountable, so that we might pray for one another and help one another and encourage one another. And especially in this time, Lord, when we're quarantined because of COVID, we need other people even more. There there are folks who are just sitting at home and they're by themselves and they have no connection. But Lord, just through our church, they could have. They could have a, a connection to other people just like them. And they could grow together in their faith. And they could love you and each other. And they could mold, be molded into the people that you want them to be. We all can. And so Lord, we pray that we would take that to heart. Put it into practice. Not just learn about it. Not just talk about it. Not just listen to it. But actually apply it to our lives. We pray in your son's name, amen.